podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. The rain saves England, or maybe India, in the first test at Trent Bridge after a Joe Root masterclass, his first home test century in three years, kept England in the contest. We'll be talking all about that test, the latest rounds of the 100, bit on Bangladesh, Australia, where the Tigers are 3-1 up at the time of recording, and much more in today's show. I'm Yazrana and I'm joined by Features Editor of Wisdom.com, Tar Hashim, the Managing Editor of Wisdom.com, Ben Gardner, and Podcast Newbie, Cameron Ponsonby. Um, so, Cam, we'll start with you. Did you think it was a prank when you got the call up? Um, yes, to begin with. Yeah. Much like John Simpson and any dream call up. Uh, I actually messaged a friend of mine who I know listens to this to be like, I'm on, expecting him to be happy. And he was like, oh, I actually quite like that podcast. So, uh, <laughs> you've lost one listener immediately from me being here. So, there we go. I thought it was a wind up. <laughs> um, well, let's get straight into the test match then. Um, it was slightly frustrating with all the rain that was about, but when we did have play, it was very absorbing. Um, Todd, do you think the rain saved England? What do you think was going to happen if we got a full day in on day five? Yeah, it was definitely advantage India, 100%. Um, but I still had a gut, gut instinct that England still, still could, could still do something there. But I mean, with the way England, England are as a test side right now, if India, if India get over the line there, start off this series with a win then you're really worrying about England. Whereas now you're thinking England could take a lot from that second innings. I mean, 303 compared to that first innings was 100, 183. Joe amongst the looking, you know, playing one of the best innings of his career. Um, Ollie Robinson looking the part. You can kind of, kind of start to spin out the, you know, the positives. Dom Sibley batting time. Really know. good 21. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, even Johnny Bairstow looking the part, even though he, you know, kind of gave it away. Um, and, you know, had India, I mean, if we look back to that 2018 where, you know, we had that edge Baston test and say India win that one and it's been said about that series, England won a 4-1, but India were well in it. Say India had won that one, that, that could have changed the complexion of that series completely. And here we're still getting into the second test. England could take a lot from that first test in the, the second half of that first test. Um, and we, we've got a series on, whereas, you know, it would have been crisis time I guess in English cricket if England lost that one yeah I think in a way it actually sets the series up better than if there'd been a result in a way like uh, I think that like actually Tars right but both teams kind of come away with some boxes checked some things sort of still like questions to answer like Boomer being back in form for India is huge but that 3-4-5 didn't make runs uh Root obviously being back in form is absolutely enormous for England uh and yeah they just batted better like slightly better just as a team in that in that third innings. And so if, if one team comes away, especially if India come away from that one nil up, you actually, even though England have kind of done all right, you still see it going quite badly wrong for them. And actually they end up losing like one of the next two and then they're kind of out of the series at that point. Uh, whereas now you've got it like actually like, and it's, it's almost what the 2018 series missing as Tara says, like a, a couple of actually if draws in that makes it a better series because like it was, each game was close, but England actually kind of ran away with it just because they won the key moments or whatever uh, and this get it, it does it feels like really really well like and especially because we were like uh saying on last week's pod that uh we were like oh this series come around really quickly uh it's sort of like caused by surprise a bit it's almost like the perfect way to almost feel your way back into test cricket like a, a nice exciting game but that in the end like sort of doesn't matter because it's a draw and now now it's the real stuff and yeah 
Mm. Um, Cameron, let's talk about Joe Root. He's averaged in the low 30s in home tests over the last three years. Um, I think there were some genuine concerns about, among some whether or not we'd we'd ever seen produce the kind of innings we saw on day four. Um, you actually watched the innings. Uh, ben Tarr and I were at Phil's wedding. Um, where, where does that rank among his best test hundreds? And, and what do you think he did so well in that innings that he might not have done over the last couple of years? Uh, well, there was a great article on wisdom.com ranking all 21 test hundreds. I believe it went in at number three. <laughs> and um, I think... Something I feel like people have forgotten with this inning, because it was an amazing watch, but part of what made it amazing was, at the beginning, for his first 30 balls, the comms, on comms, I think it was Atherton or whoever, was going, he looks kind of all over the shop. He's a shot of ball here, really frenetic, like, stuff's always happening. And I think, eventually, he got past that kind of frenetic stage, and all of a sudden, it just meant he was just scoring runs really quickly. And so I don't necessarily know how much, how different it was to the years gone by. He was still playing his big drives. He was really strong square of the wicket. And I felt something did particularly well, which was an example of he does it because he's very good and we can't relate to that, is when he was playing Jadeja, not necessarily the quicks. He was getting right back and kind of cutting him just off outside off stump. And on comms, people were grimacing, going, oh, please, Joe, don't play that shot. Mm-hmm. But it was just an example of how in control he was of the game that Jadeja was dropping, not even short, just kind of back of a length. He was like, right, that's me there. And then it was quite, it was great that his shot to reach three figures, it was then down the ground. And we had this amazing shot where the camera pulled out. You saw Joe Root giving the big one, Sam Curran running the other way, fist up in the air. And it was just all in all kind of such an exciting innings to watch because it was just moving so quickly. Mm. Ben, you wrote that article on Wisdom.com and we were talking about in the office yesterday. And what stands out about so many of uh, Root's great hundreds is, is the, the rate at which he scores. Mm. And actually... I can completely see why the commentators thought it was frenetic, but I did think that even in the first innings as well, that this was kind of like, this is what old peak 2014, 2016 route batted like when he was in good nick. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly right. Because I remember like one of them that's quite low down that list is like a, an 149 he made against India at the Oval winning and went into the game only 2-1 up. So to win the series and, and it was like a nearly run a ball, you're like, that's ridiculous. That's that low down. There are the reasons for it. But like, that's kind of just what you used to do. Like you forget actually, yeah, how quickly he scored without, I mean, that's the cliche is you look up and you get to 30, but it's a cliche for a reason. Like he would be busy. And I think his first hundred as well, I thought was interesting that he'd, uh, he'd only had nine fours in that and yet was scoring like well over a strike rate of 50, like over 60, I think. And so like, like that, that is what like peak route would do i think yeah as as you said we didn't actually watch all the innings ball by ball but watching the highlights two things stood out i think and it just showed that he seemed like really like particularly like fired up for this one which makes sense i mean you know he's had he's had like a, a tough time really like he's been te- dealt with just like a rough hand just as england captain because you know the rest and rotation policy fine in theory but like you do have to realize that like cap- test captains are judged by results and route will be judged by results and those results are coming when he doesn't have anywhere near his best side available to him and then you get to this series when he gets has something close to his best side available albeit with Ben Stokes out for reasons that's you know fair enough but still you can see see how he could get sort of like frustrated with just like his lot essentially and also the the you know the practice coming in has been essentially non-existent uh to have all of that and then to kind of be like on that I can see why on that third inch you just come right you'd come out just playing all your shots because you're like well I may as well go down fighting and then you get a, th- a few away and then you're sort of uh you're into it and you're sort of like properly like yeah fight. so there was the, the when Dom Sibley and I'm sure we'll get to Sibley in a second but when he overturned a, a decision against him to be given not out 
route like properly celebrated was like a like which you know i mean a lot of england fans were probably hoping it would go <laughs> the other way at that point but Root obviously he loves batting with sibley i think there's a stat going around that he averages about 100 when he's batting with sibley so there's a uh, possibly something in that but also just showed that he was like he was living every ball whether he was batting it or not and then his celebration on getting to three figures as well he was sort of like you know did his sort of like his 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 low sort of rising fist pump and then like a, a beat of the chest uh so yeah uh, and and that, yeah like i mean Root being informed just changed the whole complexion of England's batting lineup because, especially in England, where you know even though India batted pretty well, they still you know they didn't they didn't cross three hundred in that first innings. A couple of players in properly good form like that makes you kind of like a, a competitive Test team in England. And if Root is now one of those, you know, just one game and he has had struggles a long time in England, that is absolutely huge. It's been a long time since he had a big summer here. Um, what was the last Test century in England? Two thousand eighteen Oval. Um, and that was over, obviously overshadowed by Cook's final ton. That same test match was when Anderson, you know, overtook McGrath. England need him to have a big summer, don't they? Uh, and so this is this is a good sign. I mean, earlier this year we were talking about you know Root coming back, but that was that was in Sri Lanka, that was India, that was against that was against the turning ball. That's a completely different scenario. We've not seen him thrive in England for a while in in, in conditions against the Dukes, and so that's a huge tick for England. I mean, you cannot. You can't, you know, underestimate that. That's, I mean, yeah, massive, massive test match that. Root is, uh, he's almost evens to, to end up with the most runs ever scored in a calendar year. Um, it's It's been a long year for England, but he's, he's already got 400. He's got over a thousand runs at 60. Is is it almost a shame that he's he's in this run of form when he's getting so little support from those around him? If you go through the list of the guys who've got most runs for England in 2021 it's it's quite interesting so Root's got 1064 at 59 Dan Lawrence is in second place with 354 runs at 27 Sibley 324 runs at 21 Burns 314 at 31 Pope 237 at 21 Bairstow 226 at 25 Stokes 203 at 25 Butler 202 at 33 then Crawley 156 at 11 how, how frustrating is that that Root is battling so many other things but but also that he has to carry his teammates at the moment yeah I wonder if part of it's almost a bit cause and effect though kind of it, it is on route and route knows that mm. and occasionally when pressure is put on you more that it's only down to you that can almost like lift the pressure you're like well if I'm not going to do it no one else is so might as well be me and I, I, something I did genuinely notice on Saturday watching him I was like why, why are you so happy like, he was just batting and he was, it wasn't like he was on 60 or 70 he was just smiling he was high-fiving Sibley and I kind of feel like he might be embracing this challenge as being in arguably the form of his life. And he's like, if it's not me, we are stuffed, basically. On the flip side, yes, of course, it's immensely frustrating because England have scored just under 500 runs in this test match. And Root's got 170 of them. And it was a very, it was a game on a knife edge. And had we got 50 or 60 more th- through the other 20 innings combined... Yeah, it's a different game. It's always it's always kind of been like this for Root. You know, his career starts in India, which is the high point for that that great test team. So he's always been kind of battling against what's been happening around him. Obviously now it's become it's heightened to another level because there really is no one else. What was the what was the second high score by an England batsman in this test? Thirty three, I think, yeah. There you go. So it's heightened now. And so you're right, it is like why are you why are you so happy? Because it's it's really tough out there. And yet maybe it's just the you know, this is England's leading run scorer of, of all time now. That maybe there, maybe there is that level of 
he may not show it in the way that Coley does, but there's that competitive edge where it's like, okay, right now my team really needs me. I'm going for it. And so that's that. You know, that's that's something to be really. He's quite admire bu- as well. He's quite bullish as well. Like something uh, he he says the phrase, um, "That's just something we have to live with." Loads. <laughs> so you miss you, you you're without your best player. That's just something you have to live with. <laughs> Um, the schedule's crap. Yeah, just something you have to live with. Uh, there's no milk well, in the fridge. There's just had, something you have to live with. Well, he's, I mean, had to, <laughs> he's had to live with not having, uh, you know, the the best team England put out for for, for most of this year. Mm. Um, Todd, a lot of people commented on the lack of preparation, specifically Red Bull preparation. England's batsmen and, and bowlers had going into this test. How much do you think that is to blame for how a lot of the England batsmen performed? I think that's probably overplayed a bit. Um, look at Kara Hall. Uh, well, how many runs did he make? Made over 100 runs his match, played beautifully. Um, played two first-class matches in between his last test match and this one. One of them was last month where he got 100 against that county select element, which obviously, you know, big tick, which, you know, what the other the other England batsman would not have got in the last month. Um, but, you know, everyone, this is not just an England problem. This is a problem across across global cricket. India, the, these India guys aren't playing, you know, bucket loads of first-class cricket. Uh, you turn up on the day and you have to you have to adapt that's just how it is now you can say administrators need to solve this they can they need to rejig the calendar but in a way it is still the, the playing field is not so you know it's not so different for England for than it is for for other countries and so you you turn up you rock up on that test match and you you got to do it yeah i think you're just kind of more likely to get weirder results in the first test of series now the the home team has even less preparation than the away team sometimes i mean England won that first test in India, were better prepared than India. They had two test matches in Sri Lanka just at the back of that. And, you know, you, you see stats going around like Butler in the first test match of a series averages not very much at all. And you kind of, of course, he's not going to average that much. He's not played Red Bull cricket um, for absolutely ages. I think you've got, you've got to remember as well that there's, there is work that players can do against the Red Bull that doesn't happen in a first class game. And I mean, it, it can make it slightly frustrating almost from a, a fan's or a, or a journalist's point of view when you're trying to sort of say, uh, England should pick this player over this player when actually you have no evidence to go on. But so when you look at Bairstow in that game, who was England's uh, second best batsman, I mean, I think you know probably all of us have been pretty critical of uh, of Bairstow and his, his his you know his weakness against straight balls and that sort of thing. And sort of there is an argument to be made that how is he going to solve that if he's not playing any first class cricket? Well, he showed in this game that there was at least tentative steps towards doing that, and he hasn't played any first class cricket. That's just work that he's done in the nets, even off the field, just kind of thinking about how he wants to approach it and that sort of thing, and and all of that stuff can still happen obviously I kind of ideally you would play loads of first class cricket in August and I mean ideally you just play all your cricket in August somehow but that's obviously just not possible uh but there is there is stuff that players can do off it as well so it's like players can get better and worse and they can do that playing first class cricket and not first class cricket and you've got to remember that like nothing is is fixed I guess. Cameron what did you make of of, of Bairstow's return? I, I thought he looked really really good and obviously there's the problem that he's got 30 twice but he has made an obvious, obvious technical change where he's kind of shuffled across. And his problem before was he was getting bowled through the gate, basically. And now his gate is outside the line of the stumps. So I don't know. If that seems like quite... If you, if you miss it this time, he's just going to miss the stumps. Um, but no, he was... I mean, even when he gets got, LBW like he did in the first inning. Ah, it's pedantic, it's pedantic. <laughs> um, but even like when he got out, like he's nailed that pull shot. He looked amazing. I've yelled shot at my telly and then gone up. Ah, Right, okay, cool. See you, mate. Like, come, come back next week. Yeah. But we'd, I was kind of listening to previous episodes of this pod and we're talking about Bairstow going, I don't think he wants to be picked. Like, he wants to play for Welsh Fire. He's nowhere near the test squad. And 
now say Pope's back for this Lord's test, I reckon it's Bairstow who plays over Lawrence. Mm. And so in the case of maybe it's another sign of how poorly England's batting is currently, that 60 runs across two innings, he's all of a sudden in England's top six again. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the, the chain of technique, I think the point you made is, is valid. You, you can improve away from the cameras. And um, I think he's done something quite similar to what Rohit does in Test cricket, where Rohit bats further across towards off stump than he does in white ball cricket. And like Bairstow has genuinely sound like two or three stumps further across to off than he does in, in white ball cricket. And I thought he, d- he did actually look pretty solid. And he has been a very good Test cricketer in the past. And in an ideal world, and we, I think we say that a lot on this pod at the moment, in an ideal world, you probably wouldn't be recalling someone who has barely got a run in Test cricket the last three years. But he's someone with a record behind him and, and an appetite to change. I was um, chatting to Ricky Clark for a piece um, about name batting drop. techniques. <laughs> it's not the biggest name drop in the world. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but he was, so, he was saying that he started his first class career on leg stump and now takes middle and off. Uh, in same type of gear is all the stuff that you've been hearing players talk about on Sky, like cover one side of the edge, get your right eye over off stump, etc. He said in white ball, he still goes to leg stump, basically. And he just says it is that difference in plan between red and white ball where the ball in red ball cricket is more of a variable, so you kind of have to kind of negate for that, whereas you can, it's not going to move about as much in white ball cricket, so you give yourself more room and you just hit through the line. And how that is an example of, well, Bairstow is now following suit and kind of has those two different plans. What I'm really nervous will happen is Bairstow, who is arguably England's best ever white ball batter, all of a sudden has this new technique and scores no white ball runs now, and you'll be like, ah. We least, told you to stick to white ball, Johnny. <laughs> At least England got a million white ball batsmen to replace him if that does happen. And I don't think it will. Yeah, but g- genuinely going back to like, you know, almost peak Bearstow issues, I guess, around the 2019 Ashes. And there would have been, I don't, I don't think it would have been a popular movie, but there would have been an argument to kind of say, Johnny, like, okay, you've won us a World Cup now. Now we've got an Ashes in a couple of years time that we really want to win. And we think that like, you know, he can be a world-class test batsman. He can be a world-class white ball batsman. Uh, doesn't. I didn't seem at that point like he could do both at the same time. So she's like, okay, now you're just going to be our our test gun number five in our engine room. You're going to do that. Uh, if you can do both, obviously amazing. Uh, remains to be seen after you know a couple of a uh, couple of thirty odds, but mm. you know positive signs. Mm. Um, the 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 top three copped a lot of flack this test. Their score, their six scores were naught, eighteen, twenty-seven, eighteen, twenty-eight, and six. The light roller asks, time for Crawley to have a break? Question mark. What do you think? Any of you? Uh, yeah, uh, but I, I also <laughs> yeah. d- d- I d- d- didn't think he should have played uh, should have played this test either. I mean, you look at those. I mean, well, it almost seems mean to to have the conversation again. But averaging a uh, like what eleven for the year, uh, his uh, first innings twenty seven was his second score above twenty in what twelve or fourteen innings this year. Uh, he, 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 I mean, and then and then you look at you zoom out, you look at the overall numbers, averaging what twenty eight in Test cricket, below thirty one in first class cricket. Uh, he obviously has that, even with that one huge score, boosting those numbers. Uh, so yeah, I think it's time for a break. I, I, if England still have him penciled in for that Ashes squad, I don't think anyone would have a huge issue with that. I mean, it sort of makes sense. This technique might be more suited to those. Uh, conditions and you can get away with an ash squad can be quite big and especially this one you think would be very big uh, you can get away with a couple of sort of like picks or based on hunches a bit like you know it's, it's not dissimilar to a james vince for the 2017-18 ashes uh pick so i think just yeah let him go and play the 100 play whatever else he can play just get away from the limelight for a bit pick him for that ash squad and kind of see how he is uh but yeah i mean 
would 100% back Hamid making more runs than Crawley. Right so now. I don't disagree with any of that, but I think it's quite interesting to kind of dwell on what's changed in a year. So I don't think that bad players score test match two six seven, and I also think that the two six seven has almost um, almost made people forget actually what was happening in Crawley's test career prior to that two six seven. It wasn't a complete flash in the pan. He had he got progressively better against really good South African attack. He got a couple of good half centuries before the two six seven that summer. Looked really good in the squad game last summer. Uh, he edged out Joe Denley in the team, who wasn't doing that badly. Um, yeah, what, what, what do you think's happened? He was he was building up towards that two six seven, and you're right. With that innings, it's become easy to to forget everything else that happened. Even after that innings, you know he's he's had that horrid run, but that half century against India was was delightful, wasn't it? It was it was like oh right, he's back in the team, and look this guy this guy can play. Um, I I wrote that England should pick him for for this first test. Um, my thinking was my my thinking is is simple is in that I think he's a really good player. I think there's a player there. I think there's a player who's about more than that 267. Um, I also thought with that gap, he'd yes, he'd mainly just played white ball cricket, but he'd maybe got that confidence that that was clearly didn't seem to be there against New Zealand. Maybe he'd, he'd got some runs, even if they weren't test match ones. Um, and in this test, I thought he played well in that first innings, like that 20 something, he was looking good. And so that, but there does come to that point where you know, the scores just aren't there. And so you are pretty much almost better off picking someone else. If Hamid wasn't there, I would think play him at Lords. He showed something in that first innings. Go for it. But Hamid is there and he's made a, a strong case, not just with the county championship runs, but with that century against India. So with Hamid there, I would, I would now, I would now pick Hamid over Crawley. But I don't think. I totally, totally got England's thinking with picking him for that first test. And to be fair, even if they did pick him in the second test at Lords, I wouldn't be totally against that. But, yeah. but, but, Hamid, Hamid is there now. I think it, it's probably Hamid's, Hamid's shot. Now. I, th- I think that I think that's really fair. I mean, for me, one of the reasons why I would drop Crawley is because I do genuinely think he's got a decent shot of doing well in Australia. And England don't have they England have a top three at the moment where you look at them and even in the form that Crawley's in, I, I do back Crawley to have the best ashes out of the three of them. Um, and he wouldn't be the first person, a top order batsman, to really struggle in England and then thrive in Australia. I mean, look at David Warner; he averaged like ten in the 2019 Ashes and then rattles off a triple hundred in his in his next home summer in Australia. And I think that, I, I basically think he, he, I think he's having a really similar summer to, to what Hamid had away from the spotlight in, in 2017, 2018. Uh, he's, I think he's really vulnerable outside off stump. Um, and I was actually thinking about this yesterday. I think Pakistan were almost like the perfect tack for him to play against last summer in England in that they don't, they had Shaheen, who's brilliant, but he's a left arm who swings it in. Um, Nassim, who's really exciting, but he's pretty quick. Not a huge amount of control yet. And Abbas, who's, again, brilliant, but he's very stump to stump. They don't really have like a traditional seamer who just swings it away outside off stump in the same way. I think that kind of suited Crawley's game quite well. That is um, surely a problem, though, if Crawley's weakness would be a traditional seamer mm. who moves the ball away. Because there's a lot of those in cricket. Well, it, it explain, <laughs> explains a first-class average of less than 31 from 61 games, which is a big sample size. But um, I think it also means that, like, actually, I don't think you can guarantee that if you do drop Crawley, he is going to go away and dominate county cricket. I think when county championship is played, I think he might struggle with that. I think also one thing about his, like, 
about looking at him and doing it by the eye test. I think there's, there is a, a risk to that because I think that like he is a player basically who can hit very nice cover drives even when he's horrifically out of form. So that's what's happened this year basically against India and Montes. He managed to string together 10 cover drives and then he got out and then he, you know, he, I don't think in that 27 actually because I was really willing him to be back in form and look good. So I even tweeted like, oh, that was a really great job. He played to get past 20 and actually... He was playing and missing a lot. Didn't really look at all secure. I think, and I, think, oh, I, I really, really don't think England should, should be like at all thinking about picking him. Because I think if you're trying to win a test match against India, you don't pick a guy who's averaging 11 in like eight tests for the year. Like mm. you just like that's... It's the fifth worst uh, calendar year average of all time among batsmen who've batted more than um, 10 innings in a year. I totally understand that. I sound like one of those old school scouts in Moneyball who just... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, oh, he looks, he looks good. That's the thing. So it's a lovely sound off the bat. At, at what Tom. point do you do you like <laughs> trust your eyes over every other bit of available evidence? Basically, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, look, two six seven. That, that's the thing. Like he he, he did is is not. I don't think it's as simple as eye test versus look at the numbers. He he did do well last year, and not just in the two six seven. I was wondering with that kind of money ball shout. I was like, is Zach Crawley like Billy Bean, but like the player? Whereas everyone said you're amazing. Everything about you is perfect. You have this amazing cover drive. You can do things that none of us can do, but you can do it like once guess in we'll isolation. See, guess we'll see in 30 and years. And I, I, I hope, I hope that's wrong because it is like, as you said, that 50 against India, I was like, this guy's the best player in the world. <laughs> like he's, he's going to play, play for the next decade. He's going to just hit the ball on the up through the covers and I'm going to love every single second of it. And now we're here talking about, he's averaging 10. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> I mean, like he, out of everyone, would be kind of hating this the most, as it were. So would you, would you guys have... Or, or have Hamid in for Crawley at Lords? No, having just said that, I'd pick Crawley again. Yeah. Yeah. How come? I just and this is such a negative way of selecting a team. I'm just worried about just mentally breaking all these guys coming in and just not scoring any runs. At the moment, I think Crawley is in the process of just having a terrible run of form. But I feel like he's only had. I know it's just eight tests, but it's kind of one in Sri Lanka, one in India. One against a great attack in New Zealand. Oh, now he's playing against. So it's not like an extended run of bad form. It's isolated matches over a period of time, if that makes is, sense. Isn't that form, though, when you combine those together? Uh, maybe. Averages about, average about 30 <laughs> in the county championship this year I, as well. I do but see what you're saying, because they, they, they picked him for this New Zealand, for, for this India series, because, like, not because they had any evidence that he was any yeah. better than he was against New Zealand, but just because they kind of, at some time had passed, that they kind of hoped he was. I think, I think if, if he's in your top three for the first match of the series against India, mm-hmm. that doesn't change off the back of two bad scores. So I think that you pick him again. If he gets two further bad scores, then it's Hamid's turn to nick off for 10. And then we can talk about who's going to be in the Ashes top three. I think yeah. Yeah, we almost get into like an ancient Greek philosophy paradox at that point. They're like, you're not a bad player after one bad score, but you're just like not a bad player after two bad scores. But at some point, after some string of bad scores, oh, you are... Three scores changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it wasn't all doom and gloom for England, root aside. Anderson was majestic. Robinson picked up his maiden Pfeiffer. Um, Tar, your moment of the week was Anderson getting Coley? Yeah, it was just a beautiful piece of theatre wasn't it just um just uh, you know like like we've talked about before there hasn't been a major amount of build-up to this series but then when something like that, ha- that happens where you know Anderson gets Pajar out and then there's this, there's this lovely build-up as, as he's running into Coley and you're thinking just before he's about to release it you're thinking oh we could actually get him here and then he does with a with an absolute beauty and it was just uh you could see Anderson's reaction how much that meant to him first time he got Coley out since 2014 of course 
And Coley, obviously, he's you know he's just such a theatrical player. Even when he when he bats beautifully, it's something majestic to watch. But even when he gets out, there's something majestic to watch because there's that there's that you know there's that oh I'm I'm out. How's that possible? I'm the, I'm the best player in the world. How have I just done that? And there's always that element to him, isn't there? Um, I don't think he's got a, enough runs recently to kind of justify the quizzical look of yes, but astonishment again. Yes, out but early. he still does have 17 <laughs> international centuries to his name. He's still Virat Kohli. Yeah. Um, there was a great interview with Anderson uh, on the morning of day three, I think, uh, when he was talking about the ball to get Kohli. And so if you remember the 10-11 Ashes, his new trick then was the wobble seam ball that sort of uh, comes out without the seam but upright so it can sort of hit it in like dart either way. Uh in this game, he was like somehow swinging the ball that was bowled with a wobble seam. So he was bowling it with deliberate in-swing to Coley and then hopefully it would, and then it would pitch on the wobble seam and then go one of two directions. And that's what got both Pajara and Coley was a ball that was deliberately swinging in and then seeming the way that even he didn't know which was going to go. And in Coley's case, it went away. And that is very, very difficult to play. Uh, and it's, it's just crazy that he's, uh, he's bowling better now than he is ever before in and his test career. And crazy, he's England's fastest bowler at 39 yeah. as well. I know obviously there's no Mark Wood or Joffrey Archer in the team, but he was, he was hitting 85, 86 reasonably regularly. I've, in the last two weeks, I've decided I hate speed guns, so I'm not the person <laughs> for that question. <laughs> Can I say on that yes. one thing that Ben was saying about the wobble seam, something I love about Anson and what I find a mark of how good and skilled he is, is the way he's improved is by effectively getting a bit worse. Like the wobble seam delivery is what club cricketers across the land bowl a spare 10 over spell of every single weekend because they can't keep the seam upright. Anderson has the perfect sweet, sweet, like seam position and he's gone, it's a bit predictable that actually. I'm just going to make it wobble a bit on the way down, but wobble the amount I want it to wobble. And just kind of amazing how it's like the arc of kind of an elite performer that you get so good at something that you can almost kind of by regressing a bit, you can improve mm. yourself. How impressed were you by Ollie Robinson? Made in five-wicket hall. Uh, great start to a test career on the pitch. Yeah, we talked about this in our, in our daily videos as well that have been going up after each day's play. Each day's play um, that that Robinson, if you if you look at the the, the opening stages of a of an England quicks career over the last last few years, probably aside from Jofra Archer, who you know we remember that Lord's Ashes test, that 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 Ashes series and. And Toby Rowland Jones to an extent, who obviously we didn't unfortunately didn't get to see much of after that, after his first summer. Robinson Robinson sort of fits into that category of he's immediately you can you can see that he's got he's got the attributes to to be a, a quality test match bowler, particularly in England. Um he's he's got incredible control of the seam. He's he's accurate, but then there's also the natural attributes of, of the bounce he gets. I mean he bounce out Roy Um and so there, there's everything there. We know you can always you can always sense that this guy is gonna. Whenever he plays Test match cricket in England, he's gonna he's gonna deliver for for his country. Um, we'll see what happens overseas, but right now that's that's a massive tick for England that they've got that guy. They've got another one basically. They've got they've obviously got quite a few. Um, injuries mean that sometimes they're almost forced to pick a certain certain players, but he now fits into that category. He's gonna we're gonna see him play a lot of Test cricket in England. He senses that he's ready as well. He, he was asked after play, like, are you surprised by the start of your career? And he said, no, not really. I've, I've thought I've, I've, I was going to have a test cricket for two years, which, I mean, if you look at him in first-class cricket, you can understand why he thought that. Yeah, yeah 100%. That, that, what's his record over the last few years in the county championship is, is incredible. It's just England's depth in that area that sort of means that he's had to wait his time. But he's obviously, what an impression he's made in these first two tests against New Zealand, you know. 
the World Test Champions and then India, who are, who are right up there, of course. Um, final thing on England before we go on to India. What were your thoughts on the balance of the side going in with six specialist batsmen, keeper, four bowlers, Sam Curran at eight, no spinner? Yeah, we got a question, didn't we, about like, what does that, like that attack did okay in this test? What does it look like if India bat for a day and a half, two days? And you've got to think that like, you know, England bowled well to restrict Pajara, Kohli, Rahane to nine runs between them. That's not going to happen every time. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky because there, there, there's no, really, there's no way to, to bat the side properly. That's what Stokes does. I mean, you you, you remove a batter from that lineup, England uh, maybe like only lead by 150 and and if there's if there's no rain, then India actually like a, a well ahead. Maybe even they win it on on day four. Uh, so I mean, I still would like to see Leach play, but I can see why uh, they're picking the four seamers. I don't think it's ideal, but I don't think anything is ideal at this stage. Yeah, uh, as, we, as we keep on saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like so it. Someone just got to live with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't like it initially, but I, I actually did by the end of the test. At the end of the day, England. Uh, didn't play that well, but were in with a 30 to 40% chance of winning the game on day five with a, like a six out of 10 performance, which I think is partly due to just having yeah. a, a very deep batting lineup. We all fall in love with this game for, for different reasons. For some, it might be batting. For some, it might be fast bowling, watching a fast bowler run in and, and deliver. For me, it's watching spin bowling. And so you can imagine my frustration when I see that England have not picked a spinner for the third test in a row in, in England. Uh, and that Ravi Chandran Ashwin isn't playing for India. But let's focus on England first. Um, for me, I see I see Sam Curran at seven. Um, what 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 we saw with that England test team in, in having you know Butler at seven, Curran at eight, had the feelings of a of a football team picking five at the back. You know, let's let's play it safe. Let's you know we're we're not doing too well right now. Let's let's That's how it. you win major tournaments. <laughs> let's keep it. Let's keep it steady. Let's let's sort of part of the bus. Um, I always want to see a spinner in a lineup. Maybe 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 England think it doesn't work, but I'm I'm not I'm not speaking from the perspective of uh, of England wanting wanting to win the game. Okay, I'm I'm I'll be honest, I'm speaking from the perspective of somebody who wants to watch the game. I want to see a spinner. It doesn't have to be Jack Leach. It could be someone else, Matt Parkinson. Um, but I want to see a spinner in a, in a test lineup, and so that that. That grates at me a bit when, when, when we've just come off the series against India. When you know it, a, a, away to India, when you realise that there's this big gap for England in how they face spin bowling, but also how they bowl. You know, um, as well as Jack Leach bowled in that series, Axel Patel, Ravi Ashwin, different class. And so you want to you want to see some sort of indication that you're gonna you're gonna try and groom a spinner. You try and build a team that can that can have that spinner. The, the great England team of the century had a quality spinner. Your spinner is so important and you just don't see that with the England team. Now, I understand Ben Stokes isn't the team. If he is in the team, it becomes much easier. And yes, there's an element of risk in Sam Curran batting at seven. But I, I, the way he batted in this test and the way I've seen him bat before, I, I, think, he's a, I think he's that guy you can, you can have there. Josh Butler bats much better at six, by the way, than he does at seven. I don't really know why, but he does. Okay. <laughs> Um, and so there is, I, I looked at that and just from a perspective of someone who wants to enjoy that test, I find it frustrating that England just aren't picking a spinner. I think the problem I find with Sam Curran at seven is it's like Sam Curran scores useful 30s and 30s become progressively less useful the higher up the order you go. And so like Butler bats seven, averages 33 in test cricket and 
he's on he's underperforming. And so if Curran's batting seven, that same innings he's played how many days ago is worse than if he does it at eight. And that's like that's a kind of nonsense about cricket or whatever. Whatever. I think in I think for this test match, I think they picked the right team. Um, it is obviously just a bit rubbish that we can't get a spinner in at the moment. Um, so it, it was raining about. I don't know what the forecast is like for Lords. I don't. Really I'm good. Really, really good. good. Yeah. I don't know what that means. 23, 24 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> sun. Jack Leach is a 92 at Lords, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> get him in at seven. He's the all-rounder to balance the side. Uh, but I, I think two things that are possibly slightly contradictory, not quite contradictory, but they don't argue for the same point at least. Uh, this conversation might well be different if we'd had a fifth day India cruise it three down and all of a sudden you think like actually England kind of need a spinner for those sort of situations. Uh, the other side is, is that Sam Curran ideally would be in number seven and did look like he could be sort of like that long-term game changer in that role at the end of his first year in test cricket but hasn't been in great form with the bat since then. Obviously it's it's good that he looked in a bit better form this test and maybe England can trust that and think like okay maybe we can push him up to seven but that would be a leap of faith you can't I think there's it's that first series that he had was so well the second series he had was so dominant that you can sort of like convince yourself that like that's what Sam Curran is when actually that probably gave us like uh overestimation of his batting abilities overall he's the level he's at at the moment briefly on Sam Curran I, I do think that he's a player that you kind of we almost take for granted as someone who just because he's so talented you can kind of throw him into a test match and he'll be fine but he's played so little red ball cricket he, he, he's still very young Barely ever plays in the county championship anymore. And there's some criticism of how he bowled in the India first innings in particular. Um, but I actually thought he looked pretty threatening early on. And then he was just a bit loose, bowled a little bit too full. I think he'll just get better with the ball as the series goes on. And uh, In the past, he's been... You kind of forget how good he can be with the ball in, in home test matches. Mm. I mean, in, his, in that Edge Baston test match in 2018, he kind of ripped the heart out of that Indian middle order uh, in the oval Ashes test match in 2019. He was probably the most... Uh, the, the, the most threatening in the bowler to, to Steve Smith. I think he can be a really good bowler. I think he will get better as the series progress. And also with his batting as well, he just hasn't played that much red ball cricket recently. I wouldn't be surprised that he he, he plays a breakout innings this series. Um, he doesn't normally get lots of test matches in a row. He kind of fills in and he's, he's going to get at least two in a row in this series. Um, and he played that ridiculous ODI innings in India and there wasn't a huge amount in his limited overs career that suggests he could score 100 from number 8 or number 7 wherever it was so I think I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if he produces something like that at I, Lord's I just feel he's the type of cricketer that you do you know you do have that leap of faith with that you, that you, because he is you know what is Sam Curran that is the question that's been bothering us for so many years and yet the, 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 we've the, got at least 7 articles the, out the, yeah, yeah but the answer <laughs> is that he's a, he's a hell of a cricketer and you if you just put that, maybe if you put that trust in him and say that you're, you're going to bat seven. So who's it's out of you? Lawrence uh, and no Pope or Pope at five? or I mean, I haven't thought it through that much, yeah. but what I'm thinking is that you get a spinner in there. That's and, the, that, and that's the, how the, you get him and you play current at seven. Because the other argument is Leach over Broad, which I mean, Broad was the, the uh, probably the worst thing as well in that game. Uh, that doesn't need to be an indictment of him saying he's finished or you're dropping him, whatever. I think you can look at Anderson and Broad and think, are each of those guys going to play all five tests this series, maybe not. So maybe you give one of them a, a, a breather for this game, especially if it is going to be hot and it's at Lords, and uh, and you know maybe it'll spin a bit on the final day. I mean, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I think I definitely play board at Lords. Uh, I, I see what you're saying about are they realistically going to play both both play five test matches? I think the first two test matches are back to back. There's a break, then three back to back test matches. So probably look to rest one of Broad Anderson for in the, the third and, and fourth, fourth third and third fourth, fourth probably. Yeah. 
Um, good reminder from Tara, actually, we've got uh, daily mini pods on our YouTube channel. Um, so they're about five to seven minutes long. Uh, we'll get them up on the evening of each day. So if you want to see uh, kind of a bite-sized analysis of the day's play, head to our YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter. You'll, you'll see us posting about it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, on India, I thought one massive, massive plus for them was how good Rahul and Rohit looked. There's no guarantee, even with Rohit's runs recently, that he was going to transfer that form into in English conditions. Uh, Rahul was class. Uh, so, so good to see him back in test cricket. Um, we saw the last time he was in England where you, we closed out that series with a, with a knock that said, I've struggled. I'm just going to go for it. And he went for it. I remember India were three down for nothing in that in that last innings at the over. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was playing his shots. Um, and he's such a. We see him in white ball cricket as well. He's such a lovely player to watch. Such a fluent player to watch. Um, India's depth, you know, is is staggering. Um, not just in white ball cricket, but we, we see it in red ball cricket now. I mean, he's got into that side because Shimon Gill's injured. Mike Agarwal gets hit. You know, days out. Um, and now, and, and, and then there's that element of pressure where you've, you've got your one chance, you've got to take it and he's taken it beautifully. And yeah, I've, I've always, yeah, I just feel he's just too good a player not to, to, to have that substantial test career that, that he's threatened to, to have in the past. And, and it's different gears that I thought was so impressive. He was, he was 12 or 79. So like properly battled through, I think both him and Rohit will be very frustrated. They didn't kick on. They, they, they did the hard work almost. Um, but I think that that is a huge game changer for this series. That India have two openers who, who look like they're in decent nick. Yeah, but for Rohit, there is I think going to be that question until he gets that big score uh, overseas in these sorts of conditions. I mean, he he's looked the part as an opener overseas. Looked it in Australia. Looked it in the World Championship final. Looked it in this Test. But is still without that landmark score. And actually, those games have been sort of marked by him looking absolutely class and then kind of giving it away and at some point you start to wonder if that's not just like one of those things but actually if almost like if the concentration needed to survive for that long against that high quality bowling when you're not getting the sort of like you know the the reassurance the like of, of uh the reassurance of uh like a release shot every now and then that if that is what builds up and then eventually he's just like okay now i've now now i deserve to be able to dominate when actually you kind of that maybe in england you never get to deserve it. you just have to have those those short passages where you like get a couple away and that's it. So I think that like until that happens, I mean, he, 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 he's definitely got the skills to score a really big score. Looks absolutely brilliant. Uh, but until that happens, I think there is just going to be that, that little question mark. And you might, you might, you'll feel that if you can just keep up the pressure for long enough, you are going to get a mistake, I think. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I guess another positive for England is that engine room of Pajara, Cody and Rahane do still appear to be quite vulnerable since the start of last year Pajara averaged 25 Cody 23 Rahane 27 um, you know with numbers like that you struggle to get in the England team another positive for, for India was was how good Bumrah was there were question marks about his form coming to this series he had a couple of games out taking many wickets took nine in the match um, he looks borderline unplayable when he's when he's on song the the uh, outswinger 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 inswinger to Burns was like reminiscent of how he got Jennings out three years ago Um I mean, if if you if you're low on runs and you're an opener facing him, but like, good luck. And the ball that just tails into the left hand. Yeah. So it's just beautiful to watch. He just he swings so late as well. Yeah, and he's just that you know that little stutter, stuttering run up, and then mm. just what he what he gets when he releases the ball is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you, you forget how frequent his run up is <laughs> because it's, it's not it's not a run up. Yeah. Like you think how like he's like 90 miles an hour doing that. Like how quick would he be if he actually ran in? 
He's like, it's, it's, it's not far from like what a spinner would do, really. Yeah. Like, uh, like Matt Parkins probably runs in more than Jasper Pember does. <laughs> and he's the, the slowest bowler in world cricket. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you, it's, it's a really, really short run up. But then when you actually look at it, it's a trot for mm. the vast majority of it. It's only a run when he basically gets to the umpire. Yeah. It is, yeah, absolutely and crazy. It just like slams down. It's yeah. Like, Cam, just on, on, on the Indian team selection, how surprised were you that, that Ashwin was left out? Um, I think... Looking backwards and looking forwards, I think it is kind of a case of two different things. I think in general, cricket can get a bit ahead of itself with picking four conditions, but I think it was the right decision for the Trembridge test. I think it's not a coincidence that England went without a spinner and it just so happens that India have two guys, went with Jadeja, who can bat incredibly well at seven. I think for Lords going forward, I think Ashwin is a better bowler than Takut. That's like I don't think that's the most controversial thing that's ever been said. Regardless <laughs> of the of the conditions, you get him back in the team. Like even the conditions might suit Takur a bit better, but Ashwin is good. Is my hot take for the day. Excellent. Hot debut playing shots. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I kind of think that it's it's just not an either or with Jadeja and Ashwin. You pick out Jadeja away from home. Uh, because he's a really good number seven and his bowling is a bit of a bonus. You, you pick Ashwin because he's one of the best three test bowlers in the world. Uh, I also think on Jadeja, he's almost the, but he's almost the template for what you want Sam Curran to be in test cricket. Like a brilliant bowler at home um, who can bat seven, but away from home, hand, really handy seven. His bowling is a bit of a how's, a, how's Sam Curran's left arm spin? <laughs> but on, on Ashwin as well, one thing you forget as well is that he is far from that sort of bowler that really needed those helpful Indian tracks and like an old ball and stuff. Like he's, Brilliant. He's one of the best new ball bowlers in the world, really. <laughs> uh, one of the best new ball spinners there's been. I mean, you remember that, the 2018 tour to England when he was just absolutely working over Cook, sort of like bowling him top of off stump the first two innings in that series, I think, with, you know, Cook's one of the best players spinning we've ever had. And Ashwin was all over him with a new ball in English conditions. Uh, like, I think that... It was brilliant in Australia. Yeah, exactly. And and, and he's doing it with, with, with kind of with drift and with flight as well. It's not just that he needs to get it off the pitch to do it. He's just a a bowler who is at this point at like the top of his game and yeah, kind of needs to just play whenever he's fit, I think. Yeah. Um, before we get on to the rest of the show, um, Ben, there have been increasingly loud murmurs over the last week that the Ashes might not go ahead. Do you want to explain why and how likely do you think that is? Uh, yeah, as, as far as I understand it, the, the I mean, there's kind of like a few varying complaints. There's like the, the, the central one is if players' families aren't allowed to travel with them then that will lead to lots of England senior players being like, well, I don't want to spend five month, uh, four months without my without my, my partner and children, which is fair enough. But I think I would be just, I mean, I haven't been privy to discussion or anything, but I would be surprised if that was what happened. Considering the India tour last year, their families were able to go with them then uh, and they were the Indian players were allowed to go outside of the bubble a little bit, not too much. And there was the controversy when they were able to, when they went to the restaurant and had like a, a selfie with a fan and that led to some of them being in self-isolation that sort of thing uh so so there's that but then there's also just the do you want to spend four months in near bubble conditions considering how draining we know bubble life is uh and how ha- much bubble life they've had i think that's the big difference between england going this winter to india last winter is that the england players have spent so much of the last almost two years by that point in bubbles whereas for india then it was reasonably novel and also how draining like an ashes tour is like with those you know with with, with the aussie journos fighting that sort of phony war saying like a uh, uh, but then I guess you could you could you could maybe look at it and be like our oh, our oh, England posturing at this point because they want to get the best position possible for their 
players and to have the, the easiest possible tour, which would be, I guess, a fair enough thing to do. But also there might be a little bit of politicking going on there as well. So I, th- I think still, I think my position is just hold fire. Don't get too worried. Obviously, no one is able to have been, been able to buy plane tickets to go and see it anyway, but don't uh, don't worry too much about that and just, just keep an eye on it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we're recording today's podcast at Sixes Cricket Club. If you haven't heard about Sixes, Sixes Cricket Club is the new cricket-themed social entertainment venue with a restaurant, bar and cricket nets. Uh, we played it last week after last week's show. It's, it's, it is really so much fun. Um, great for a birthday, I think. Sixes have clubhouses in Fulham, Fitzrovia and a third venue opening up in Manchester on August the 29th. All Wisdom podcast listeners can receive 10% off their food and drink by quoting Wisdom 10 on their booking notes or when they arrive at the venue. Shout Wisdom 10 at someone. (laughs) The other big bit of England news this week, feels like it happened a long time ago, it's towards the end of last week, it was the announcement that Joffre Archer is going to miss both the T20 World Cup and the Ashes is ruled out for until at least the end of 2021. Um, ben, that's just enormous, enormous blow and just desperately sad. Yeah, it is, especially because, you know, it felt quite positive with him recently. Like he'd come back and, you know, played a blast game, bowled pretty well, got him peppered a minor counties batsman. Uh, and then it was in those games that he felt the discomfort that means that they've looked. And actually that it's, I mean, that's the thing with these stress injuries is that like they can kind of almost happen, not not quickly and that they happen in an instant, but it can be like, sort of one short period of of intense workload that then means you have a an injury that actually takes absolutely ages to to fix even when you think it's fixed it isn't and you can almost take quite a few of these false starts before it uh, comes back again i think that there's been there, there was an incident with with michael vaughan i'm not sure if, if you saw this but he uh tweeted tagging joffre archer in saying uh with a, with a piece that was headlined like joffre archer may never play either test cricket or for england again and then joffre archer replied saying please untag me and Vaughan then quote tweeted it saying no which felt like a particularly cruel way to treat like a, a player who's just had like a, a very bad injury and, and also I mean uh, I mean you know anyone might never play for England again you know anyone could slip on a floor tomorrow and you know have a career injury Archer might not sure but he also might players do come back from this sort of thing so this uh, it is, it's, it's worrying and it's concerning and I think there are questions that England have to uh, ask themselves about as his early workload I mean he that, that go back to that New Zealand test which feels a long time ago uh, when he bowled 42 overs in an innings and then a lot of overs in the next game. Even in that game, Root was saying he needs to be bowling a bit quicker and he needs to be able to summon those speed on those spells and it really matters. And then really push himself to play that South Africa tour and play that first test. And then before the second test, that was when he first got that elbow stress injury. So although that's a long time ago, I think you can look back at that as like the first bit of... Yeah, but they've also taken care of him. They rested him from the Sri Lanka series earlier this year. He played that one test in, in India and then they you know, rested him for the next one. So I don't think it's fair to go back all that way. I think they've obviously had to learn their lessons and they have been. Yeah, um, but but I think for, for, for the next, like, world-class, like, proper quick that comes through, like, I think you do have to just, you have to handle them carefully from the start. You can't start handling them carefully yeah, when yeah, they start. Yeah, I'm, but I'm just saying they've obviously learned their lesson. Yes, but I guess we'll, we'll, we'll more see that when the next one comes through rather than when a guy's already had a stress injury, you realise, oh, actually, we need to not bowl him into the ground from now on. I think you need to not bowl someone into the ground from the start rather than, uh, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so I mean, you know, hopefully this proper period out is what he needs and he comes back fit and strong. And obviously it's such a shame for England's chances as well. I think in a way he's, well, he is a better T20 player than a test player at the moment. Uh, but it's almost more damaging for England's Ashes hopes because they're just so much weaker in that department. So if you're looking at who the quicks are, they're going to actually pick for that series from looking like they had at one point Wood, Stone and Archer to sort of like 
rotate and dovetail through that series. They've now got Archer, who's definitely out. Stone, who's also been struggling with injuries. Uh, and then you obviously Wood isn't going to be able to play all five. So you're looking at all of a sudden, like, who is there in county cricket who is, like, that quick? And obviously not very many of them. And you're all, you're, suddenly, you're looking at, like, you know, David Payne can get up to 90 miles an hour. Bryden Cars can be pretty quick. Mahmood, I think, probably comes quite a lot into the reckoning, but he's not that 90 mile per hour express pace. He's that 85 to 88 brisk bracket rather than the, the 90 mile per hour thing. So, yeah, it's uh, devastating, really. I don't know if we want to carry on with Archer or on, on that topic of who else goes. I, in my head, it's just Mahmood. I think Mahmood just absolutely is the kind of ne- next cab off the rank, inverted commas. Um, I think watching Mahmood, if, if you showed me like a, a one ball of Glen McGraw in isolation, I'd be like, oh, he bowls little nibblers, eight mile an hour, great. If you showed me 5,000 balls, I'd be like, oh, he's amazing. I get it. With Mahmood bowling, you're like, one ball, you're like, he's amazing. Get him in. And like the way he bowled against Pakistan and the way Babarazim is, again, another hot take from me, really good. And he kept on getting him out and he looked fantastic. I think Crickinfo did this piece where his, his action is this hybrid of um, Brett Lee and Shoab Acton that he kind of shows the ball to the batter and then kind of his arm comes from behind him. And I think that is why he's still, even though he's only in that 85 to 88 bracket, he still rushes people because he has that slingy action still. And I think we can kind of get in our heads a bit like, oh, is the speaker on saying he's 88 or is 90? Like, I don't think players face the ball and go, oh, that was quick and look up to the scoreboard and go, oh, I was right. It was 89 mile an hour. They go, bloody hell, that was a bit sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think Mahmood will be that person to go. I wouldn't be surprised, that surprised if he debuted in this India series. And then back on Archer, I just think oh, it's so sad. I think we, we had this amazing player and I, yeah, hopefully we have this amazing player who will come back. But um, I think you said that it's like 50-50, does he play test cricket again? Because it is a stress injury. The thing that yeah, breaks you is bowling and you're a bowler. That's not a good combination. We, yeah, we, we, don't, we don't really know. And I think just the, the, what is desperately sad is that we felt that for since the 2019 Ashes really, you really felt that Archer's test career was building up towards the next Ashes. You, you know, Eng- England, you're right, England were rotating him. They were looking after him in the last year with the sense that you have him 100% fresh, ready to go in Australia where he might not be the leader of the attack in the same way in England when you have Anderson abroad, but he absolutely would have been in Australia. Um, so I just think in, in that respect, that's desperately sad. Yeah, it's, it's sad in a way that it, when we first saw him in the Ashes, it was just so incredible and it never really took off after that because the, the, that straight away, was, it was the New Zealand test where he obviously was bowled into the ground and then South Africa, first test injury. And then never really looked... Never, never really came to the fore last summer. I think part of it was when we when we first saw him, he was obviously Anderson, Anderson was injured, and so we saw him with that new ball. And it was like he's he's the guy. He's the it's almost that Broad was there, but he was you know he was leading the attack with Broad, and he's never had that sense of responsibility again. And I almost think he almost thrives thrives under the fact that he's he's the guy. The same way he thrived in that super, everyone was like he's the guy, and he knew he was the guy. And he knows he is in white ball cricket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's that leader of that T20 attack. And so that's, he's been excellent there. Yeah. Um, anyway, on to the, on to the 100. In the men's competition, you'd say that every side with the exception of London Spirit are still just about in, the, in contention. Um, top spot goes straight into the final. Second and third contest what was effectively a semi-final. Trent Rockets are top, Oval second, Southern Brave third. Manchester and Birmingham are fourth and fifth with a game in hand with very good net run rates. Um, what's caught your eye this week, Cam? Uh, I think we are going back a week ago. It was David Willey's performance against London Spirit. Um, it was just exciting to watch. He put a ball out of Lords and it was, I, 
it was one of those things where someone next to me said something like, oh, it is the short side. I'm like, I don't need that. <laughs> he's hit the ball out of the stadium. And then they've got to whatever they've got to, and then he's ended up bowling incredibly well. And what's just adds a bit to it all is that it's in front of the England captain. And it just, I was there for both the games against uh, where David Willey played and then the Trent Rockets game where Alex Hales had played against uh, Owen Morgan the week before. I found it really interesting that Hales on the first ball he faced hit a bump ball into the hands of Point and all of the Trent Rockets fans, or London Spirit players have claimed it. Chuck the ball out, up, you're out. And Morgan, just like everything else involving Hales over the last two years, just wasn't interested. Was just walking off in the other direction 30 yards away. So I just found it really did catch my eye that David Willey just put in this amazing performance in front of the England captain mm. and just kind of the contrasting tales of two guys on the outskirts, one maybe a lot further away than the outskirts of the white ball squads. Mm. Yeah. Um, that was that was my uh, moment of the week. Actually, oh, yes. was being uh, being at that game with my uh, my brother and my nephews. It's probably quite an interesting case study there in terms of like how the hundreds getting people in uh, involved. Because uh, my brother sort of like is a, a fan of all sports, I suppose. Probably a bit more into cricket now because of uh, so that we have something to talk about basically. <laughs> uh, but he's he's been getting to the hundreds specifically because of the women's games that are being on YouTube. I think there was a feeling, maybe a fair one, and obviously being on BBC2 is a, a massive platform to have, and it's great. Three more games on BBC2 now, which is uh, really exciting. Uh, but YouTube is not, it's not as if you, you'll only find something YouTube if, if you go searching for it. I think if you looked up the odd cricket video on YouTube and you happen to go on there, which quite a lot of people do when there's a game on, that it will get recommended to you and that can help get someone more into cricket. I think that is a, a big thing. And, you know, my my nephews uh, love YouTube. So that was some, so, so they were basically putting those games on in the afternoon through the TV and watching those quite a lot. So they came to that game because they wanted to see uh, Jimmy Rodriguez bat rather than because they wanted to see any of the uh, the men's players. But yeah, uh, and they, they 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 loved it. They had a great time. They do now think that David Willey is the, the best player to ever lived and are retrospectively absolutely fuming about the 2019 uh, World Cup squad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah that's, that's really interesting. I, I really like Birmingham Phoenix at the moment. I think it's such a fun batting lineup in particular captain by Moeen but um, the, the batting lineup with Finn Allen Will Smead Liam Livingston Moeen and Chris Benjamin Smead for one is at 19 at Somerset you've been talking about him for a while he's a real <laughs> talent but also he's got enormous biceps huge biceps very strong uh, young man um, and then on <laughs> I don't understand how um, I know we talked about him a little bit already on this pod before but I don't understand how a player as good as Benjamin could have been stuck in the twos Early this season, he's so calm and collected at the end of end of a run chase. I think he's been at the crease uh, at the end of a run chase three times now already. This tournament, successful run chases, and two of them were like he played proper, properly um, pivotal roles in, yeah. in those. That second run chase, I was sort of as he was getting there, I was thinking, yeah, this guy wasn't playing professional cricket a few weeks ago. Like, surely he's going to be like, yes, come on, I did it, and he's just cool, ice cool. I was like, oh, this guy's. It's quite serious. But, 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 yeah, but also proper. because it, there was there was chat that he got Moeen liked him because he just butchered spin basically in this two get two's game. But he, he was doing it against the quicks as well. Um, was that your moment it's, of the week? Oh, mine was David Willey, but I'll okay. go with Benjamin again. Okay, yeah. um, <laughs> I find it. We were talking earlier about kind of the eye test with Crawley, and and this is this an, is this an argument in favour of the eye test because like Moeen Ali's obviously seen him once. He hasn't gone. God, I reckon that guy's got good numbers over mid-wicket. Yeah. He goes, this guy's awesome. Mm. And he just keeps on going up the levels. Um, I, yeah, I don't really have anything constructive to say on it because it's, it's completely baffling. He was, he was a university cricketer three months ago mm. and apparently cricket's the easiest game in the world for him. Mm. It just keeps doing very well. No, it's crazy. Sammy Patel for England, anyone? Um, he's striking at 174 with a bat. Averages um, 
18 with the ball, really good economy rate. Is he, is he a better T20 player than Liam Dawson, who we just assume will eventually be in the World Cup squad? Yeah, he oh, he might be. I guess I guess England is he a better T20 bowler than Liam Dawson? Uh, maybe, but Dawson is he, he's also a very good cricketer, and I think that England are probably looking for that person to be more of a bowler than a batter. I think that that if they are looking for a backgrounder, obviously the utility is very useful, and is why Dawson kind of eventually made it into that World Cup squad because he is just so useful. I also think that they do just like Dawson a lot as a character, uh, whereas like um, some sometimes not for his own. Fault sometimes for Fault Sanchez has been just like a there's been just like a bit he's always been just that sense around him a little bit uh, that he has sort of courted a little bit of that and you're not you're not going to get that at all with with Dawson but if if you're looking for yeah he's he's probably I mean if if you're a T20 side like a franchise side I think you're looking at Patel boy looking at Dawson I think if you're building a squad and you're looking at like squad cohesion and all that sort of thing for the World Cup I can just about see how Dawson is in but yeah I mean he's doing himself. Uh, absolutely no harm and also I think we need to remember that actually because uh, he, he obviously has played a lot more cricket for England than Dawson has but he he never really he never looked out of his depth for England uh he was in a way almost slightly harshly treated in ODO cricket like he averaged about 30 striking at nearly 100 I think which is uh, for that time in, in a way it's more impressive because it came at that time but it was also underappreciated because it came at that time when people sort of looking more at the average rather than the strike rate and being like well he's a yeah, and he, and he and he kind of felt like he was almost contributing basically every time he came out. So I do I I really like him as a cricketer, but I, I think that Dawson is still slightly ahead. But it'll be an interesting one come come the time. And also, I haven't actually thought about England's full team in cup squad in a while. But I do wonder actually, even if Dawson is still in there, or if you end up having like Parkinson as your second spinner, and then your your utility players are your your quicks, I think possibly. And and yeah. Moeen and Livingston just cover. Bases yeah, well, that's the thing. The ball, so yeah. if you've got Moeen, Livingston, Rashid, and possibly Parkinson, that's those are spinners, probably, I think, yeah, so, yeah. That's, that's fair enough um ben yesterday's games at the oval was slightly frustrating you we even had a uh, gary lineker getting involved um do you want to explain what happened because that there was a reasonable amount of ire online yeah well it, it it rained a lot early in the day and it really did lash it down i mean it was kind of wet rain that you could be out in for you know only a few minutes and you would be absolutely kind of soaked through so this was this was a this this was big rain uh, but then it didn't rain a whole lot after the crowd actually got into the ground, probably a period of about 20, 25 minutes. And yet the women's game was entirely rained off. Uh, the men's game was reduced to 35 balls aside. That in itself is frustrating. And you can possibly make an argument that, you know, in terms of player safety versus uh, crowd entertainment, that maybe that should have been tilted a little bit more and they could have got the game on slightly sooner because it, it, was, it was the outfield that was wet rather than the run-ups or the wicket mm. itself. And they brought um, the boundary in quite a lot yes. on, on one side of the ground. Yeah. But I think what really frustrated the, uh, the the fans was just the lack of communication, especially if you've got new fans there. If the sun is blazing, uh, the covers are off and all you can kind of see is a couple of people sort of standing around and then every so often you get told there's going to be another inspection. That's that's not enough, basically. I think that, and especially because they some of the crowd entertainment has been questionable, but they do have these sort of... Uh, uh, these in- compares yeah kind of going around doing stuff if you get one of them just to just to interview one of the umpires to like explain what are the dangers going on what are the things that are going to affect this and that sort of thing because I actually saw one person suggest like could they be have could they have like crowd entertainment involving the players and that sort of thing I don't think the crowd needs to be entertained they were pretty good entertaining themselves I mean uh, uh, Big Lee had his sort of uh, the sorry groundsman his moment in the spotlight when he was a uh, throwing a sawdust down every time he was doing it they were going like oh hey and building up going oh hey and he was playing up it was great 
uh, almost better than 100 in a way. Uh, <laughs> but so the, so the crowd, they, they, they weren't essentially too like mean spirited or like uh, they were just they were just they just wanted to know what was going on and they weren't getting told yeah. it basically. I mean, I think maybe Lizzie Ammon tweeted that her son was like calling and texting her who she wasn't at the ground asking like and he was at the ground asking like what was going on and that speaks volumes about just the lack of communication i think mm. yeah i think I think that yeah there were two sides to it one so like lineker for example was saying is this actually dangerous and i think a lot i think jason roy and sam cook have come out after the game and said yeah it really was it's really you, it, it's hard to see exactly how wet uh the outfield can be unless you're quite close to it i think and i think that that's fair and i think yeah the, the main gripe really is a lack of communication especially when you saw players from both sides training and doing drills over most of the outfield to be honest the only bit they weren't on was the the very specific bit of the field that was supposedly too wet um and i think especially if you have new fans you just have to explain don't just say it's a wet outfield explain why a wet outfield is bad and why you can't play because even we couldn't quite put our finger on why it was while agreeing that like actually it probably isn't ideal to be playing on it I, I thought of something else because yesterday I suggested like the cricket, a cricket ball is harder than the football because obviously you can play football on a wet pitch. You can't play cricket on a wet pitch. Cricket ball is harder than the football. So actually maybe slipping and then getting hit by a cricket ball is a bit more dangerous. And also the thing I thought yesterday was actually footballers wear boots with studs, mm-hmm. whereas cricketers wear spikes. Aren't spikes. Good, yeah, they don't. Yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, I mean, I guess it's a very rare thing, but should, should cricketers have boots to wear? I guess you're not going to get a groundsman that's too happy about you running yeah. over the wicket yeah. with, well, your, with your studs I, I, on. But. I guess I think Ricky Wessels used to do that, didn't he? Did he? I think so. Oh, really? They used to wear blades in the outfield. I might have lied on the pod there, but there's <laughs> a, I think it's true. Okay, we'll look it up. We'll look it up. Um, I, I, yeah, I think the other thing that was interesting was, like, I, I'm not actually sure how much the conditions improved from 7 o'clock schedule start time to 8.20 when, when they actually got on the field. And, and you just still have players sliding around a bit. Yeah. A couple of sort of drop catch that you wouldn't have expected normally. Yeah, and, and they did bring in the boundary rope, but, like, quite a long time after the schedule start time they did put a cover on one of the the areas that was supposedly particularly wet but again quite a long time after the start time I think my impression of it the morning after is that it was almost like a missed opportunity for cricket because cri- I say cricket as if it was this massive wholesome thing it came across as being kind of slow and homogenous mm. and that's outdated and like oh let's just, let's just get the game on and afterwards what's happened is the players have gone it was really well out there that was actually pretty dangerous and cricket has brought, I don't know why I'm talking about cricket as if it's a person. They've brought the boundary in hugely. And they've actually done loads to get a game on for the fans there. And so it could have been this thing like, look, guys, this is like really bad conditions at the moment. This is why. But we're doing everything we can. The players are bang up for it. We're going to change the playing conditions of the, of the game. And there's, yeah, of, game there's often kind of quite strict rules over boundary sizes in 2020 competitions. I don't know if it's the same for the 100. But they've gone a long way out of their way to get a game on. And the overriding response was, oh, bloody hell, guys, like, hurry up. Mm. Whereas it could have been amazing. They've yeah. got a game on for us, I understand. And we've eventually got a very exciting game of cricket in mm. at the end. Yeah, absolutely. My moment week for that game when, when Alex Hales gets hit in the gooly wooly woolies, I think is what Ebony Rainford Brent called it. Um, that was just amazing. Twice in, twice in a row, that was, that was why it was twice, so well, funny. Twice in two balls, as you said, in the, on the Wisdom Twitter feed yesterday, yeah, yeah, which yeah. obviously means, uh, means two things. Uh, um, can, we sp- can we spend a moment on, on Ebony's... Uh, like, Go for it. Just, Go just for it. like an incredible bit of commentary. Like I'm, I'm not being ironic or sarcastic here. Like you get these moments as a commentator. I think that like you know are going to be instantly iconic, and you've got to come up with the line to sum it up. You know, you think about Ian Smith, the barest of margins. Alex Hales, obviously a, a sort of a pantomime figure in English cricket, getting hit there is one of them. And for everyone, Ebony to 
like create an entirely new word that perfectly <laughs> captured both the like the hundred and that whole moment and say it's just and the, the delivery of the gooly wooly woos it is it is sensational it's so good and then, and then she actually uh because she then did a sort of a nasa thing the nasa-esque sort of like predicting what's going to happen a moment before it happens saying like he needs to bowl that exact same ball again <laughs> and then the very next ball it hits him in the exact same place again. She yeah. absolutely knocks out of the park. It's amazing. It, it was perfect. It was Hales as well. Like if yeah. it was Laurie Evans, it just wouldn't be quite as funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had, we had a we had a question from Bobson Dugnut. Uh, he said, "Here's an idea. Rain will affect play. That's a given. When it does, the squad could play little mini games close to the boundary with commentary and on the big screen. E.g., LMS slip catching, a throwing competition, or French kick cricket would be fun for the kids." I'm not against that, to be honest. They're not really doing anything in those in those rain delays. Yeah, but that's so. Also, Bob's and Dugnut. I get the I get the reference. That's not not an actual name there. Yeah, uh, kind of got that. But uh, had to call him something. Yes, <laughs> uh, but, but as I was saying, I don't think the crowd were bored. They just wanted to know what was going on. So I don't. I don't think that. I think they would always been felt patronised if they were like, we're not going to tell you what's going on with the cricket, but we're going to like have some players playing some football. And if if that would almost annoy them all, being like, well, you're playing football, aren't you playing cricket? I think so. Uh, yeah that's fair enough um in the women's competition southern brave are three points clear at the time of recording uh birmingham and manchester are really struggling at the bottom of the table superchargers invincibles and the rockets have all got seven points from six games behind behind the brave at the top of the the uh the, the table um just a general point about 100 it's gone really quickly we're really close to the end of the group stage and i'm kind of left wanting more genuinely it's gone so quickly that you wonder if in the future they are going to be able to find a, a full window for it so that you can give it your full attention so that you actually... Because, I mean, the, the end of the group stages are going to feel like a little bit like they're alongside the, the, the test match. You're not going to be able to have that full focus on who needs what, why each game is so important when it is just something you're flicking onto because you just need to you feel gluttonous and you want a little bit more cricket at the end of like a, a full day of test cricket. So I think like it's it's... Yeah, I mean... I think possibly, I mean, I, mean I, I, I haven't worked out how it could fit in and that, I assume why they haven't done it, but I think that that would be great if they could, essentially. Mm, absolutely. We've got a question about the Royal London One Day Cup. Ben Turner asks, who are some of the Royal London One Day Cup players impressing you, especially uh, some of the <coughs> youngsters? Uh, we saw Lewis Goldsworthy at the Oval the other day, hit 96, and he's got now four half centuries in six innings, something like that. Um, yeah, nice, impressive little player. Um Played at the Under-19 World Cup last year. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. He's a very good left-arm spinner as well. Actually. Yeah, so he's got uh, that too. The next yeah. Liam Dawson or next Samit Patel, um, <laughs> that kind of player. Um, ben, you had a couple of players? Yeah, Rob Yates was the main one for me. He's a 21-year-old, uh, where actually a top-order bat. There was a really good hundred he got against Knots, I think, in a game that was actually pretty feisty. And I, I'm really enjoying when the one-day cup gets feisty in particular because like, uh, because I, I've been enjoying it. Uh, been watching just a lot of games on the on the stream but it does like it's 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 kind of just good to know that like counter cricket still matters to a lot of people to the players and to the fans and that sort of thing but yeah there are a couple of controversial umpiring decisions in that game uh but yeah i've really liked him and he, he's not young but i'm glad that george muncie has got a uh, a chance to kind of show what he can really do he's like, like averaging 70 and striking it plenty uh for ken obviously scottish player who uh, uh, can kind of he's, he's sort of an inventive batsman and can hit the ball a really really long way so good to see him uh, churn it out a bit. Got called up, obviously after that COVID outbreak, mm. uh, and he's just he's just stuck around. Um, I'll go for you know for three. I'm going to go Jamie Smith, not necessarily for his on-field performances, but I just think it's interesting to see which players the counties are cashing in on and saying this is our guy for the future in these roles. So him captaining the side at 
20 or however young he is. Uh, I thought it was really cool to see Rishi Patel get 100. Uh, I know Paul Nixon, the coach there, has said he he thinks Patel could play international cricket within the next four years and has all the attributes. So to see him kind of fulfilling on that promise and kind of similarly with Feroz Cushy at Essex getting his first uh, professional 100 yesterday. Because I know last year he kind of, I expected him to be playing a lot more this year. Mm. Um, and last year was like kind of this breakout year where they, Essex had this new batter. And then I think it's Walters, Paul Walter, has somehow kind of got kept him out of the team. I say somehow he's batted well, but he's kept him out of the team. So it was good to see Cushy get some runs in his return to the side. And Rishi Patel's gone from Essex to Leicestershire, hasn't he? And so I think you, you always wonder if a player, because uh, like if they start moving around counters at that age, you wonder if they are going to get that chance to sort of like bed in and show what they can do. And that's great for him as well. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and finally, Bangladesh at the time recording a three one up in a five match T20I series against Australia. It's the first time they've ever won a bilateral series against Australia. Um, the Aussies are without a number of first choice players. Uh, a guy called Nathan Ellis, who I'll be honest, I've not heard a huge amount about. He took a hat trick on his T20I debut in the third game. Bangladesh's left arm quicks have been in the wickets. Mustafa Zur has been doing well, and so has Shoriful Islam, who's uh, kind of the leader of the attack in the Under-19 World Cup winning team last year. Mitch Marsh is the only Aussie batsman to score more than 50 runs across the first four games, and he has something like 29% of their runs um, across the series so far. And there have been a couple of standout performances from other Bangladeshi players you probably haven't heard a huge amount about. 21-year-old Afif Hussain, and inexperienced keeper Nurul Hassan took Bangladesh, Bangladesh home in the run chase in the second game. So um, Dan Christian, he hit five sixes and over off Shakib and hasn't got 50 runs in the series. Yeah, no, exactly. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, that actually, that bowling scorecard for Bangladesh was a funny one. That's the one game Australia won and basically everyone went at like under five and over, I think. And Shakib was going <laughs> at 12 and he conceded almost half the runs in the game despite bowling four overs. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, been a, it's been a funny series, but quite a fun one, I think, yeah. That's all we've got time for. Thanks, Tar. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Cam. This has been the Wisdom Creek Weekly Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. And remember, we've got the daily post-test YouTube videos, so check out our YouTube channel for those. Podcast Network.